So PMS or premenstrual syndrome has become so common and so widespread that it's basically the brunt of a lot of jokes when it comes to women that we're just moody and maybe it's just because we're on our period and things like that. But I'm here to tell you today that PMS is actually not normal and that there are lots of things that you can do about it, plus help you understand what is normal and what is not with the symptoms that you're having so that you can move forward with confidence. Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Okay, so let's talk about PMS. So PMS, premenstrual syndrome, is basically the grouping of different symptoms that can happen prior to your period starting. So this usually happens in the late luteal phase, usually about a week before your period. And some symptoms that we categorize in the PMS category are things like mood swings or irritability. I've had some women explain it to me lately as feeling like some sadness or even something as strong as rage when they're in this part of their cycle. And it usually is something that is kind of uncommon for you or really like out of the blue. And it usually is really frustrating to have those mood symptoms. And then within that as well, people will also have things like more um, sweets cravings or lower energy or sometimes physical symptoms like breast tenderness or acne or bloating or cramps. And I'm here to tell you today that none of those are within the scope of normal and that all of those things are generally a sign that something is off in your body underlying. Um, And it's not just because you're a woman and it's not something that you have to deal with forever long-term. Now, what I do think is normal with PMS is that when you are studying cycle syncing, when you understand your cycle, you understand that in your late luteal phase, you do have a drop in progesterone as well as a drop in estrogen in those last couple of days before your cycle. And so maybe you are going to feel a little bit lower energy, maybe even especially that social energy where you kind of want some more time to yourself in a little bit more space than is normal for you. And it is also normal to have some cravings in luteal phase. Now with cravings though, I look at what the reason behind it is. And in luteal, you do actually need more calories, Um, especially in that late luteal phase, you need about 200 to 300 more calories kind of to prepare your body to shed that uterine lining and progesterone does change your metabolism for the better. So when you're in that late luteal phase, you may have some cravings if you're not meeting your energy needs. And so when you notice cravings for sweets or cravings for fast food or kind of like those quick energy things, I always think that it's important to go back and ask why and to fill those cravings with something nourishing as often as possible. 
So what causes PMS and why is it abnormal? Some of the things that can cause PMS, it does definitely vary by person, but estrogen dominance can cause PMS symptoms, especially the things like physical symptoms like breast tenderness, acne, bloating, um, cramping before your period starts. All of those things can be caused by estrogen dominance. And when there's estrogen dominance, there is often low progesterone. I've talked about this in several previous episodes, so definitely do go back and listen to those, um, especially episode six talks about estrogen dominance. And I think episode seven talks about about progesterone deficiency. So go back and listen to those if you are new to the podcast and you have not heard those before because that's going to go much more in depth. But I do see a lot of times that there is an imbalance in estrogen and progesterone that causes these PMS symptoms. There's several other hormone issues that are not related to estrogen and progesterone that can also contribute to PMS or even more severe symptoms like PMDD. And so one of those things that I see often is elevated stress in the body. And that can look like elevated cortisol all. It can look like elevated DHEA and those can be caused by multiple factors. It can be caused by traumas. It can be caused by emotional stressors. It can be caused by a diet that is not contributing to full nourishment, uh, mineral deficiencies, so many different things. And DHEA elevation can also be caused by insulin resistance, which comes from usually a lot of imbalanced eating and blood sugar imbalances. And so I just want to kind of like give you the spectrum that you can keep in mind when it comes to PMS. Like it's not always a hormone problem. That is just a hormone problem. Generally, there is a lot more going on in the body and a lot more in the picture. And even inflammation can be a big trigger for PMS and PMDD, which is why we're always looking at this as a whole body perspective versus just hormones. So in this episode, I'm actually not going to spend a ton of time on the why, even though that's one of my favorite things to do. I just really wanted to create some awareness around what is normal and what is abnormal, and then a little bit of the why. And I'm really going to just dive straight into some tips to help you start to overcome some of these PMS symptoms. And I will just say there is always a caveat that there can be a lot going on with PMS. And sometimes this is something you need to look into with a trusted practitioner. And if you've never tried any of these things and you didn't even know that it wasn't just normal to have PMS, then 100% try some of these things because they are going to be things that are going to support your health and your hormones no matter what, even if you don't have PMS. Okay, so tip number one is to balance your blood sugar. And when I talk about blood sugar balance, I'm always looking at this as a whole. This is not a quick fix. This is not an overnight thing. But some of the things that I always recommend when we're talking about balancing blood sugar is to start slow and start small. And I always want you to be looking at if you're eating breakfast within 30 minutes of waking up in the morning. And if so, if that breakfast is good quality, whole foods, balanced with carbs and protein, and then you're eating consistently throughout the day. And I talk about this so often, and I talk about it so often because it is so important and so foundational. If you are not doing this, your body is going to stay in a stressed state. And when you're in a stressed state, it's always going to be telling your body that it's not safe to have balanced hormones. And so what we're doing with blood sugar balance is we're creating safety and we're creating less of a roller coaster of cortisol. So little background on blood sugar balance is that many of us are in a state of actually increased insulin in the body because over time, our bodies have not been getting the nutrients that we need consistently, or we're not having that balance consistently. And often that looks like having a lot of basically carbs by themselves without protein 
or if you've been in like a keto diet or intermittent fasting, sometimes you're eating protein without carbs. And both of those things can cause blood sugar dips and can cause blood sugar dysregulation. Even though we've heard that protein is good for balancing blood sugar and carbs are bad, you truly do need both things. And so if you have been in that state of having imbalanced blood sugar, your body likely has produced more insulin because of drops in blood sugar that are followed by spikes in blood sugar because your body knows this is an emergency. You have to have adequate sugar in your blood. Um, The technical term is glucose, but I'm just using the term sugar. You have to have adequate glucose in your blood so that you can have like, so your brain can work so that you can fuel your cells. It's super, super important. And so when your blood sugar dips too low, it truly is an emergency in the body. And so your body secretes adrenaline and cortisol and really sets off that emergency response. And then you dump some stored glucose from your from your liver, potentially, if you still have something there, or if not, your cells start to break down so that you have something in your system and you have glucose to burn. And then you're going to have an insulin release after that because there's a big spike in blood sugar. And when you have this emergency insulin response and you have um, extra insulin being released, then you're going to, that's going to bring your blood sugar back down. So the insulin actually helps move that glucose that your cells need for energy and move that into the cell. It's 100 percent needed. But when that emergency response happens over and over again, you're not only having this stress hormone response, but you're also having more of an insulin response and your cells become less sensitive to insulin over time. A lot of us have insulin resistance. And when there's insulin resistance, we have again, like more of this hypoglycemia or even hyperglycemia, which is higher blood sugar effect, where we have maybe higher blood sugar in the morning because we've already gone through this emergency response during the night while we're sleeping. So all that to say, You truly do need to be balancing your blood sugar and focusing on that. And the very, very basics of that are eating consistently and eating carbs and protein together every single meal, every single snack, and really keeping it whole foods because eating a donut and a Slim Jim isn't necessarily going to be the same nutrients as eating some really good quality um, raw dairy and a piece of fruit. If blood sugar balance is a new topic for you and you're like, okay, I'm going to need more than that. I have a mini course called restored where I walk through the basics of what it takes to balance your blood sugar and some of the more tangible steps for you to do that outside of the really super basics that I've just mentioned. So I'll link that in the show notes if this is new to you and you would like some extra support there. Number two for PMS is not to over exercise. And this could tie into the blood sugar balance piece because when I'm talking about not over exercising, I mean not over exercising for the phase of your cycle that you're in. You can definitely go back to episode 29 and talk and listen to us talk about the different phases of your cycle and how they change and how your body responds and how, what you can do with exercise um, if you haven't listened to that one. And when I'm talking about over-exercising, I'm also talking about over-exercising based on your nourishment. So some of the time, you know, over-exercising can just be because of the state of your body's nourishment. And so keeping your blood sugar balanced and consistently nourishing is going to allow you to actually do more with exercise. And so what I'm focused on when I think about over-exercise in general, and this is something that definitely has to be personalized, is that if you are going really hard in the gym in the first half of your cycle as you go up to ovulation and it's causing more stress on your body, you could potentially be producing less progesterone in the second half of your cycle or in your luteal phase, over-exercising can also cause more stress on your body for the next cycle. So over-exercise is a term that can feel 
little bit scary, but it doesn't have to. What it truly means is that if you are exercising to a capacity where you are feeling really bad when you're done exercising or even after you exercise or you are feeling like it's really draining you, then that's one of the biggest things that I look at when I'm trying to determine overexercise. If you're doing lots and lots of long distance cardio, or if you are doing a lot of HIIT training and kind of in the mindset of basically like it has to be hard enough that I die to get some results, then that probably is overexercise and that can affect PMS because it is additional stress on the body and stress on the body can imbalance hormones. So if this is something that you are curious about, definitely go back to episode 29 and we talk about this a little bit there so that you can get a little bit more clarity. Tip number three is support progesterone with your foods. So some of the things that support progesterone food-wise, my favorite is vitamin C. And when I talk about vitamin C, I am talking about whole food vitamin C, which comes from whole foods and things like citrus fruits, acerola cherry, kiwis, guava, red peppers, bell peppers. There are so many fruits. You can definitely look up foods that support vitamin C. And I love to use an adrenal cocktail to support vitamin C on a daily basis. And I do mine with the Jigsaw Adrenal Cocktail Powder because that has 400 milligrams of whole food vitamin C, but even getting up to a gram to two grams of vitamin C can be really, really supportive for progesterone production, which when you are making more progesterone, you're automatically working on estrogen dominance. So really important to support progesterone and vitamin C itself is not going to change your progesterone if your habits are those that are going to cause more estrogen dominance and more depressed progesterone, like being really stressed, over-exercising, not getting enough sleep, and not getting your minerals in your food. So mineral-rich foods are really, really important for progesterone production too, because so many of the enzyme reactions in our body actually depend on minerals. And so those are things like sodium and potassium, magnesium, calcium, and you can take supplements for those things, but I really do think that it is best to be getting those through your foods, through whole foods, and even drinks like coconut water through orange juice and just thinking about adding in additional minerals wherever you can. Again, this is something that I cover much more in depth in my course, Nourish Your Hormones, but giving you just like a little bit of an overview here, minerals really do make a difference for progesterone support and that makes a big difference for PMS. Tip number four is to support estrogen detoxification and support your liver and drainage pathways. All of these things are really key in supporting PMS because as I mentioned before, estrogen dominance can be a really big factor. So some of my favorite things to do to support estrogen detoxification are to make sure that you are moving your body regularly without over-exercising to use things like castor oil packs and the raw carrot salad that I mentioned in multiple other episodes to support estrogen detoxification and to open up drainage pathways. So this looks like moving your body consistently. Like I've already mentioned, it looks like actually sweating. It looks like using something like a dry brush or a castor oil pack to support lymph flow. All of these things can be really, really important and foundational in being able to move estrogen consistently and effectively, which is going to vastly improve PMS symptoms overall. Number five is to create space for rest. So this is especially for you if you notice a lot of mood symptoms for PMS, like irritability or rage or sadness or anger, any of those things can really come from an overly stressed nervous system. And one of my favorite things to do is to pre-schedule rest in. What that looks like may be different for each person, but especially if you find that you crave more time alone or that you crave more just like one-on-one connection in this luteal phase, 
Then, for example, if you notice that about five days before your period starts, you start to notice these mood symptoms show up, then I would highly recommend that six to seven days before your period starts that you are not only tracking your period so you know when that's coming and it's not just a surprise, but you are actually planning to have some extra space. So maybe that looks like just not committing to as many things in your schedule. Maybe that looks like actually scheduling time in where you're going to spend time with just one friend or just your husband or you're going to ask for extra help so that you can take some time to rest in the afternoon or you can take some time to just do something that really fills your cup in the evening. And I have found that this can be so, so helpful for PMS mood symptoms because you are pre-planning to take care of yourself and you're asking for help to do that. And doing this the entire week that you are feeling those mood symptoms is really ideal, but I've seen the most difference with starting before the symptoms start and being consistent and being aware of where those show up and what would actually fill your cup. And so as simple as it sounds, I would actually recommend making a list of things that fill your cup so that when you get to that place and you've planned the time and you're maybe in not the greatest mood, you don't just give up and say like, I don't even know what I want. And you start scrolling on your phone, but you actually do something that would fill your cup, like spending some time in nature or taking a bath or reading a book that you enjoy or doing something creative. Any of those things are going to make you feel really good when you are done versus if you just set aside the time and then you don't know what to do. And so you're scrolling or just watching a show. A lot of times that's not going to fill your cup as much and you're not going to feel basically like the effects of being able to support your body and your nervous system. When I'm talking about nervous system support, some of my favorite things to do there are doing some deep breathing, putting your feet up on the wall, because when the femur bones are resting in your hip joints, it actually decreases your cortisol levels. Breath work is really important and really helpful as well. Grounding or spending time in nature can be really fulfilling and really supportive for your nervous system too. So any of those things I would highly recommend in the time that you schedule prior to your period starting. My tip number six is to sync with your cycle. And what that means is to understand the phases of your cycle. I've done a recent episode on this as well. And really to understand what's happening in your body in each phase and to be your own best student. And so paying attention to what you notice in those phases of your cycle so that you know what to expect can really take the edge off of PMS. If you know, you know, five days before my period starts, this is how I feel. And I already have a plan to fill my cup. It's going to be so different than if you just have it show up without necessarily paying attention or expecting it to come. And then you feel not only caught off guard, but also you may feel resentful because you have so many things put in your schedule already that you weren't thinking about when you scheduled them. You weren't thinking about this being your luteal phase or PMS week. So even noticing at the beginning of the month or whenever you're doing your planning, kind of paying attention to where you're going to be in your cycle can make a really big difference. And it's not just about, you know, avoiding things when you're in PMS week, but it's also about scheduling things in that you're going to be really good at when you're in your period phase, like planning or analyzing, or when you're in your ovulation phase, like doing bigger things and more social or creative things. Those are all going to be things that you can plan ahead for so that you don't feel as surprised when you have this time in your luteal phase where you're maybe not feeling your best. And then number seven, my last tip for today is to use stress support like adaptogens. So adaptogens are different types of herbs that can support your body in stress. And some of my favorite ones are rhodiola or ashwagandha.
ganja or even things like herbal teas that have some of the herbs in them like holy basil. There's a brand of teas that's Tulsi tea. I really like those for stress support. Lots of women really like things like reishi mushrooms or chaga mushrooms. Those can be really supportive for stress as well. But even creating a soothing routine with something like a warm cup of tea or using some loose leaf herbs for tea, those things can be so soothing and nourishing and supportive and can really make a difference in your stress. And so you can use this throughout your cycle. You can use it in just certain weeks of your cycle, but I would highly recommend that you look for some options like that to try because when you're supporting your stress on many different levels, you're going to notice the effects, I think, even faster. And so with the overall perspective that PMS is basically caused by stress, I would love for you to take a few minutes. This episode is extra short, and I would love for you to just even take a short assessment of what's going on in your life that's causing you stress right now and what is in your control that could make a difference. Because if you're noticing PMS symptoms and you're feeling really not aligned with the way that you feel and treat others in this season or in, you know, this short season of PMS each month, then and it's really important to see what you can do to make a difference. And if you're noticing that constant stress is causing havoc on your body, basically, and havoc on your hormones, then some of the things that you're doing in your life may need to change. And so maybe that is the foundational things that I always talk about, like changing your nourishment and being able to support your stress that way. But maybe it's also looking at your schedule and looking at the commitments that you have and seeing what is a yes for you in this season and what is a no, because sometimes we need to take a step back to be able to to truly support our hormones and to start to change the patterns of stress in our bodies so that we can feel that safety and our hormones can be in a place that they can be more balanced and you can start to feel the symptom relief that you're looking for. I hope that this is helpful for you. I will see you next week.